At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. AT, yet another week, yet another podcast. Really excited for this one. As always, we are on, is this week nine? I just get so confused whether it's week nine. So weird. Week 10, because sometimes they don't include the actual first week, which is like four games into the season. But AT, I've got a question for you. All right. Facing off has become more so than any period in, in lacrosse history. So vital to the success, excuse me, yeah. of a team now more than ever. You're losing faceoffs, and I didn't prep you before the show because this is kind of like a game day adjustment. Yeah, you're losing faceoffs. How many faceoffs do you give your starter that you've trusted? Number one, this is a bunch of questions, and and it'll all make sense to you. One, how much? How much of a leash do you give that guy? Two, if you decently trust the guy behind him, how quick are you to put him in? And after that, how many different ways, AT, are you going to try to get the ball back in the situation? And as best as you can, because I know I I didn't prep you for the show, as best you can, try to rank them in order of which you would go by. Does it, does all that make sense? Yep, kind of. Uh, so so right now, Andy Towers is out there facing off, and he's lost the first two. What's your? Am I the what, coach or am I the face? You're guy? you're both the coach and the player. <laughs> yes, I finally can be in two places at one time. I've been what? criticized for my inability to do that internally for a long, long time. Now, now I'm give... finally able to do that. I love yeah. that. Feels so uh, liberating. So liberating. <laughs> you've lost the first two, and yeah. going into this game, by the way, yeah. you knew you were going to probably have trouble against this fa- uh, this matchup. So I, I think the most important thing, <clears throat> most important thing, just from the mindset of the guy that's going out to face off, is that you always want to have your guy, or if it's you and you're two places at once, uh, you always want to lead with your best move, right? And you lead with your best move, you know, from having faced off that sometimes there are days where you're on the front end of the whistle and there are days where you're not on the front end of the whistle or you're slow, right? Or you run into a guy that is on the front end of the whistle and he's fast that day and you're slow. Definitely. you know, but but those those are two separate reasons why you could lose, right? If you lead with your best move and you're on the front end of the whistle, so yep. you're at your best doing your best move, yeah, and you lose, right? Yep. Then you have to make adjustments. There are instances where you do your best move, yeah, but you're not at the front end of the whistle. And you lose, and that would not be a time to change, okay. right? 
Right, of course. Uh, exactly. So you got to make sure that you are honest with yourself and that you are willing to admit, adjust, and move on. Otherwise, you'll be that kid that loses 18 out of 23 and you get in the car and your dad looks at you and tells you you're a super nice kid, but you <laughs> right. suck in face right, right? Because right. so much of the mentality within that position is that it's going to be different next time. It's going to be different next time. They do the same move over and over and over and it's over insanity. again. It's insanity. It's insanity. It's crazy, right? And so you got to have a willingness to adjust your strategy. If that means changing your move, if that means changing the actual person taking face-offs, if it means um, adjusting your wing play, adjusting your overall team strategy. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can compensate for losing face-offs, and ideally, you're able to create you know, a 50-50 type situation and able to scrap yourself back into having that aspect of the game be a wash as it relates to dictating the outcome of uh, the result, right? And communi and and communication is obviously with your face-off guy is crucial to that because sometimes you can't see that perspective from as a coach on the field. Right. Is it correct? I mean, you, you, yeah, but I mean, for for guys that have done it, you know, you can watch it. You know, just the mentality of a lot of the guys that face off are I'm the best, and you know, he cheated. If you lose, he cheated. Yeah. <laughs> if you lose, he went early. If you lose, he's leaning. You know, right, right, right. right. That, those are excuses. Right. Those are all excuses. And a coach, you know, with a background at that part of the game, you can see if they're losing at the front end of the whistle or not. And if they if they are losing at the front end of the whistle, quite frankly, they have to change their move. Right. If yeah. you look at, you know, generally speaking, the three general face off moves, you've got, you know, your your clamps, your jumps, and your rakes, right? Yeah. And your and your clamps will beat your rakes, your rakes should beat your jumps, and your jumps should cause problems for your clampers. Now, you can match up the moves and the counters all you want, but if hand speed from one side is just way faster than the other, it doesn't matter what you're doing at the X. That's right. right? So if you identify that you're running into a guy whose hand speed that day is just flat out way better than yours or the guy that you're sending out there if you're in the position as a coach, right? Yep. You may try another guy for a few face-offs, but you're really looking to see if that second option is competitive enough at the front end of the whistle so that changing your actual move could affect the outcome. Right. In all probability, if you're going against a guy who's just flat out quicker, it doesn't matter who you put out there and it doesn't matter what moves they're doing. And now that is the time to adjust your overall team strategy. Scheme. Right. That's yeah. That's where, right. where you place your respective wings, where you do you double long pull. Do you, can you speak to, some, can you speak to some of that specifically? Sure. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate back when we were coaching at, at, uh, at Dartmouth, Dartmouth together, me and Torp, you know, we played against Cornell and they were whatever, three in the country or four in the country. We played them up at Foxborough. And we were fortunate that our best faceoff option that year was Casey Hinchin, who happened to be a long pole, was also our best ground ball guy. Yes. He and was an animal. 
he was an animal and, and he was he was phenomenal. And so obviously we were going to face him off. Then the question became, do we put, you know, one shorty on the wing, two shorties? And Torp was the advocate of saying, listen, let's just turn it into a bloodbath and let's <laughs> right. put, you know, two other poles up there. That's right. And we did that with Pollock and Gaggle or who I can't remember who the other sure, guy yep, was. Yep, yep. But we ended up putting three poles on the wings. And basically what happened is we were able to control the middle of the field and that allowed us to, uh, you know, have an advantage in who got possession after the goals were scored, right? And so right. I'm a huge advocate of just making it really, really tough on the face-off guy himself, even right. if he's totally dominant at controlling where the ball goes, placing the ball, and getting the ball, he still has to get the pass off That's right. for them to preserve and actually get a possession off of that win. You know from your game against Yale two weeks ago that – you know, Connor Mackey won some face-offs against you guys, but you guys were able to create turnovers right away off those face-offs. And even though statistically you probably won 40%, it was closer to, you know, 50-50 in that game, right? And and the reality is... We did our best to make it like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, 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 and that is where the coaching starts to, you know, really play a role and who can make the best adjustments to support their face-off units. You know, if you're going to ask your actual face-off guy, there's not a face-off guy in Division One <clears throat> who's going to come off and say, Coach, I'm getting killed. you got to make a change. It's never, it's never going to happen. Right, right? Nope, right. Gonna, you don't get to that level. It's like Floyd Mayweather coming off into the ring being like, ah, I'm good. I don't, I don't, I don't have this one. <laughs> right. This guy's got Right. It's, just, it's never going to happen. Right. Or a wrestler coming out and saying, I'm not going to go out there for the third period. He's just going to kill me. It's, it's, it doesn't happen. Right. And so... As a coach, you have to step in and you have to identify when do I have to make the change and when do I support my face-off guy to make his own changes based on his knowledge of that position, right? I, I know it's tough to generalize, AT, because obviously you're in your mind, you're already racking through the hundreds of face-off guys you've ever coached in your life and each one would yep. be different. Sure. Um, but is there a general leash like is three in a row like a, a, a fairly standard and i know again it, it changes from player to player is it two is it three games of shitty lacrosse play facing off and then it's like the first two or the first one do no, you it's, see it's how the, de it's definitely on a uh it's definitely not games okay. no way okay. because everybody matches up differently there's yes. no you know associative property where if player a beats player b player b you know, loses to C, that C is, is, is going to beat A. It's not like that. Yes. Okay. Right. Everything is unique and everything, you know, you have obviously technique differences. Sure. But the biggest uh, variable in it is who's on the front end of the whistle that day. Yeah. Right. So it's never going to be on a game to game. We've lost with this kid three weeks in a row. Let's go with another kid this week. It's always going to be how does, how does he match up today against their guy. And, uh, you know, for me, it's if our guy is at his best and has lost, you know, two, three, four in a row, and sometimes it's six in a row because maybe the first two, they weren't at the front of the whistle and they weren't ready. 
Yeah. Right. And maybe the guy went ahead of the whistle and they didn't catch the third one. Yeah. Right. And so you don't have a responsible amount of data points to, you know, but what, now, this, now, what if you're, but what if you're, what if you're down three day. though? What if you're down three? It, Cause it does change with the score too. If you're obviously it's, it's one or two, you know what I mean? But if it's, if it's two to one, you have that more willingness. If it's four straight, straight face off loss and you're down four, nothing, you just need a possession. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we I, I just need the changed, ball. I don't think it changes it at all. Right. Okay. I mean, listen, are you trying to win the face off or are you trying to minimize the damage and not get beat for a break and a goal? Yeah, that's two separate mentalities. Sure, sure. Right. And if you have a guy that you think matches up well against their guy and the first two face offs, your guy, you know, is slow. Right. The second, the third face off, they jump. The ref doesn't catch it. Right. And mm-hmm. so you really don't you don't know yet how your guy is going to do. Listen, I've had games where I've lost the first four and won the next 19. <laughs> right? Right. And, and, and so the, the other aspect of it is if you send your guy out there and he's a one-move guy and his move doesn't work, well, then you got to change. Right. right? But, but if you send your guy out there and he's a technician and everybody's going to have a move that they are best at. Sure. Is there one specific move that's the best? You know. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, Greg Gorenlian's clamp slash punch <laughs> is the best move right now. That's right. Right? Greg's on the front end of the whistle. He's going to win 80% of the time against the best people in the world, period. That's, right. That's why he is who he is. That's right. But generally speaking, if you take the same athlete, put them at the same, you know, hand speed, they're each at, you know, the same point in the whistle, then I'm a huge advocate that there is no one best move. It's always the best move relative to what your opponent is doing, yep. right? Yep. So if you and I are the same hand speed, the same athlete and all that sort of stuff, and you clamp and I jump, I should be able to control the ball more often than you are. Yep. You know, if you and then and then the decision comes to you, are you gonna continue to clamp my jump? Or are you gonna make the adjustment and show clamp so I continue to jump and then rake? Yep. Right? And then yep. you force me to evolve, which is to show my jump, hoping that you'll read that, think I bought into you showing clamp knowing that that's going to continue to have you rake because you just beat my jump. So then I show jump and I clamp to beat your rake. Right? right. I mean, that, that's, that's right. and that's the battle that goes around and around and around and around provided you have, you know, uh, pretty even matchups athletically and each are at the front end of the whistle or at the same point in the whistle is really more accurate. Two of the things I love uh, to see is evaluating the opposing team's face-off guy in general in his typical, I guess, pre-whistle cadence where he likes to look at his wings, he likes to look at where the opposing wings are and dictate either a defensive draw or an offensive draw based on that. Uh, And I think one of the things that is not played out enough is using that to your advantage. So if I throw my my wing down towards the, you know, cutting the break to his strong side and then repositioning him once he looks down, when the ball goes down to the opposite side and then repositioning your wing so that it screws up his flow in terms of where he wants to put the ball is a nice little, you know, adjustment to that. And I think one of the big things too is creating a situation where it's 50 50 but if you're going to lose lose it back and then going 10 man every time i think that that i love is, that i love it, that it, 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 bottom line is they got to get the face off guy off 
They've got to get the pole off. And typically, you also have a D midfielder on. Now, if you're fortunate enough to have a defensive midfielder who's very capable in between the lines, like, uh, you know, an IDA or, you know, we've seen plenty of them, the Drew Chance of the world from Notre Dame. Or even if you have the ability to keep a long pole out there, like a Tullet, Larkin Kemp, John Sexton, Connor Keating in the play. Best of all, that's best of all worlds. Best of all worlds, of course. Um, but it's often tough for those guys, even even in a 10-man, to handle those pressure situations because they're not always open and people don't feel comfortable enough throwing them the ball. Um, and, and even if you don't, aren't successful in the 10-man, or like you said in the beginning of the conversation, creating some sort of 50-50. And I remember the, the, the specific game that we did it was Cornell and Foxborough. We were taking time off the clock because their guy was not winning them clean. Therefore, the ball's on the ground. Cleanly, the ball's right. on the cleanly. cleanly. Uh, you know, the ball's on the ground. The ball's on the ground. The ball's on the ground. And all of a sudden, thirty seconds goes by. And if that happens and replicates itself over and you're twenty, to the end of the game. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and if you can slow the pace down, and believe it or not, a lot of people think riding increases the pace of play it actually doesn't it's if you look at the numbers and this is why Bucknell has developed this they take their time in the clear and they 10 man because they just want the game to slow down and look at all of minimize the overall number of possessions that each team gets and let's face it if they get a few more saves than the other person they win a few more face-offs you know they're in a position to beat a team nine seven that if they, uh, you know, with, with 22 possessions a game as opposed to losing to that same team that they outplay for two and a half quarters and ultimately lose 19-15. It's exactly right. See, and the other, the other part, I think you guys all remember this uh, in Indianapolis when Denver's playing UNC in the national term. I believe it was the quarterfinals. Uh, Denver never rode all year. They pulled all their guys off the field. And at the same time, Denver was in the mid. That was when they were switching goalies at, at certain points of the game. And for whatever reason, they wanted to switch their goalie earlier than, than, than later that game. They pulled their goalie too. And UNC ran down the field and scored because they didn't have a goalie and no one was in the play. But what Denver wanted to do was not ride force you in a situation where you wanted to play six on six on both ends, but their offense was so efficient that every time they got the ball on offense, they scored and it put more pressure on the six on six on the other end and teams started making bad decisions in the offense. They started rushing and that as soon as that happened, they went down the other end. They took an hour and a half to play off (laughs) hour and a half to play offense. And all of a sudden, boom, it's goal and it's four nothing. And you've spent six seconds on offense. They've spent 13 minutes on offense. Right. And it's just a, it's a, just a recipe for disaster. Uh, on top of the fact that they had Baptiste, you know, facing off for the last three years, and you know that helps. Uh, so I appreciate that dialogue. I think a lot of coaches in in recent, obviously, with a lot of collegiate teams struggling with the face off X. You could, I think, you and I were talking to this either the last podcast or off air about the number of dominant face off guys in the country right now. I could probably name six or seven, but outside of those six or seven, it's just basically a 50 50 or you're a 40 percent guy right. i mean it's, there's, it, it, there's really one guy and then there's like the next six yeah and then there's everybody else yeah they, that's exactly right i mean there's baptiste then you've got our siri you've got ireland you've got uh help me out here at um you've got henningson henningson uh, who's such a stud yes uh, you've got you've got Roe, Ro. who might be the second best guy Steve brady Bones, dove kelly You've got Ben Williams. You've Brady got Dove. Brady Dove. You, um, 
You've then, got go ahead. And then everyone else, really? I, I, Connor Mackey, I think is. I think oh yeah, he's, he's up there. Yeah, yeah. He just. I think he, he's the best guy in the Ivy League. How about this? Joe Keegs, I think, was the one that said this. But in their run, it might not have been. Yeah, I think it was Joe Keegs. But in Yale's run, Mackey has been seventy-two percent at the faceoff X. Yeah, he just goes to show awesome. you how important facing off is. And if you get Ben Reeves and the kid Gaudet the ball on, on that end of the field, I mean, it's incredible the production that you can get on a consistent basis. You know, Pat Myers at, at you no know, question. mentioned to me, he's like, the runs in this game are incredible. You know, the, the losing right. four and winning four and losing seven. They've only, and winning they've seven. only been batched by Monday morning after a weekend in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> It's incredible, though. It's a major difference going 50%, and if you took 20 face-offs, let's just say you took 20 face-offs, going 50%, but winning 10 in a row and losing 10 in a row is massively different than losing one, winning one, losing one, winning one, because it, because if you're not efficient on that 10 face-off in a row run, you're down five goals. The level of dominance is at an all-time high. I mean, you got to look back, the most dominant guy ever – in you know in the college season you know is definitely goers he was 77% or 78% something crazy like that in like 93 or 94 92 something, something around that time um you know i know steve shaw was also up there the stud from delaware who was in yeah. the, who was there in the mid 80s uh, and then, of course, Alex Smith at Delaware was also beyond 70. I think Snides was 72 at Denver. You know, and I saw on Sunday that Baptiste was 74-4, which is – it's just unbelievable. <laughs> it's, yeah, just... it's just unbelievable. And like you said, you know, you give offensive coordinator Matt Brown the ball <laughs> right. 75% after any goal is scored – I mean, that's a really tough team to play. And then on the other side of it, you know, you got Bill Belichick coaching <laughs> the defense and coaching the team and making right. adjustments and working the refs. It, you know, again, it makes you feel like Denver will never lose another lacrosse game <laughs> again. <laughs> So true. You know, yeah, when so, can Baptiste graduate? He just needs to graduate. It's like Rob Pinnell. Just graduate from college, right. please. Just there forever. Just, just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true. God. Just graduate, remember, please. You're ruining Rob, it. You're ruining like, the lacrosse world. Still there? Huh? It's like, come on, Rob Pinnell, get out of here. I'm sick of seeing five and eight, you know, on the stat box. And you guys beat us 21 to 5. And All me right. and you look at each other and being like, 21 5? And it wasn't even that close. That actually makes the score look a lot closer than it was, which is disgusting. <laughs> oh, man. When you have Jesus Christ playing attack, whether that's the Albany right. or Cornell or the, so three, the three amigos at UNC when they were going through it. I mean, it's so just cute. like, how do you do like? It's impossible. We're going to take a quick break here. Good. <laughs> we'll be right back. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced 
doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. We're live. I still can't stop laughing. He <laughs> <laughs> just said, uh, remember when Rob Pinnell had like four and one in the first three minutes and I said, we're going to lose 84 to three. <laughs> it was like the- John Glenn had five goals in the first three minutes of the game. And he was the second leading scorer on their team at that point. (laughs) 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 I just like, I can't. God, I mean, did they really expect us to like put like, I mean, God, that was impossible to to game plan that thing. Oh. Uh, So AT had another poll. Uh, Again, I guess it's becoming a a little bit more clear. Thank God the league play. I think we all thought league play was going to ruin this, like really make it, turn it upside down. It seems right. like league play is kind of, for some parts of it, uh, leaned out some of the teams, yeah, uh, which has been, made it at least easier for the poll goers. Uh, I think, again, Joe Key's getting another shout out. Uh, whether it's the late night, Sunday night games that's affecting uh, the poll, I guess, review bashers the trolls out there um which is good of course uh but it seems like it's died down a little bit and it's evening out it's making more sense but there are a couple questions that we all have for you is that notre dame in your poll i believe is ahead of osu maryland and duke but but not sure where your justification comes in there can you please explain sure so as you know in my column uh you know, my angle on putting together these rankings is 100% based on body of work. The only other person that does that out there I know is at Blue Star Lacrosse, which I'm a huge fan of because they also put heavy weight on bad losses, or I should say value on bad losses, so losses to teams outside of the top 20, yep. and strength of schedule. Right? Obviously, teams that play a tougher strength of schedule are at a risk of incurring more losses. So for me, when I'm looking, and then of course head-to-head. So I'm looking at Notre Dame. People see Notre Dame and their record at 5-3, and three, and the media are 6-3 and three now, after their win over Marquette yesterday. Uh, you know, they, they had them ranked at 10 this week. Right. Right? Uh, to me, I had them ranked 3 they have wins over number. If this is these are last last uh, week's ranks, right? They have a win over number eight Maryland, number twelve Virginia, and number nine Ohio State. So just by the fact that they beat Maryland head to head and Ohio State head to head, that has me and and have played a tougher schedule than Ohio State or Maryland, right? The reality is Notre Dame has played.
Ah, we got we got cut off. We got cut off. Total malfunction. Sorry about that. That's sick. <laughs> but it was oh, a great break. It was a great. It, it that moment. That moment allowed me to now prepare for justifying Duke being put in at eight and Notre Dame at three. Perfect. So the question becomes: <laughs> under that example, you could say, "All right, ding dong." How do you have Duke <laughs> ranked behind Notre Dame if part of Notre Dame's justification for being ranked ahead of Ohio State and Maryland is that they beat them head-to-head when Duke just beat Notre Dame 11-8 in Durham? That's right. Well, no problem. I, I get that. Yep. And, but here's my justification. All right, Duke has also played a very tough, out, a very tough schedule. They've played five teams ranked in the top 20. Notre Dame's played six. So Notre Dame's played a slightly tougher schedule, but Duke has beaten Notre Dame head-to-head. That's right. right. That's Look right. at Duke's wins. Duke has wins over number 14, Richmond, number 19, UNC, which after their victory over Virginia has become a little bit better, and they beat Notre Dame head-to-head, right? Yeah. Notre Dame beat number 8, Maryland, number 9, Ohio State, and number 12, Virginia. That's right. The difference is this, is that Duke – even given the fact that they've won seven of the last eight games and seven of those victories have been against ranked teams with their only loss coming to Syracuse during that time, the reality is they still have a really bad loss to Air Force. That's right. Right? So Duke's 9-3 and three with a bad loss to Air Force. Notre Dame's 5-3 and three with no bad losses. Right? Their That's only right. losses are to two, are to two Syracuse number five, Denver, and number 10, Duke. And Duke has lost to number two, Syracuse, number five, Denver, the same losses, right? But they lost to Air Force. So that's the justification of having Duke. Although I I look at this and Duke, uh, they, they may be a little low based on how they're playing. And eventually as we evolve into conference play here, RD, um, there, there are going to be those triangles where Team A beat Team B, Team B beat Team C, and right. TC came back and beat Team A. And, and, and now all of a sudden, how do you do that? Well, eventually there's that element of what have you done for me lately? Who's the hottest? Yep. And right now, Duke is one of the hottest teams in the country, along with Syracuse, along with Denver, you know, uh, along with Maryland. I mean, I think Maryland has only beaten – Maryland has only beaten two ranked teams – in Penn State, who hadn't played anybody up until they played Maryland, well, they yep. beat Ohio State the week before, and North Carolina, who's coming back. Uh, so, listen, we're, we're going to be able to get a lot of clarity here as we continue to evolve, and these teams are all playing, you know, super high-quality opponents week to week. And and eventually what's going to happen is the teams that I had at the top of the rankings four weeks ago, which were Army, Hofstra, and Rutgers – the teams that aren't playing in conferences with a lot of top 20 teams currently in there will eventually suffer. And that's why I had Hofstra this week at seven Yep. because even though they're 10 and zero, and I'm a huge advocate and I had them ranked number one about four weeks ago, the reality is they still only have two top 20 wins. That's right. And that's over Princeton, number 15 Princeton who lost to Lehigh last night and number 19 Carolina. Right, those are the only two wins that Hofstra has, and while they have no losses, they've only played two top twenty teams. Right, to the credit, they've won those games, but those two teams are really, you know, top twenty teams, not top fifteen teams. After this week, so um, 
How about, that's, that's why I justify it. How about Albany at 16? Obviously, <clears throat> I'm assuming that much of your body, of, if, if the body of work uh, theory uh, continues, I'm, I'm assuming that the Albany-Maryland game coming up will drastically help Albany in your poll specifically uh, because you have Albany at 16. Everyone else has them right around top 10 in that five slot area if that's where they came out to be. No question. So I'm looking at this and I ended up putting Albany in at 16, right? 16. That's 11 spots behind where the media had them at five this week. Here's the reality. We all know that they're a good team, but they have no true body of work. Right? They've played one team in the top 20, that's Syracuse, and they lost. Close game. Sure, it was a close game. Whatever. They lost. Okay, They're 9-1, and one, and they don't have any wins over a top 20 team. They don't have any bad losses. That's right. They've only played one game. We don't know. Right? Look at Binghamton. Same, te- same conference, America East. Right. right? They're also 9-1. They also don't have a win in the top 20. Right. Right. Now, the, the major difference between Binghamton and Albany, aside from the fact that Albany's beaten everybody by 10 goals and Binghamton's not, <laughs> right. is the fact that Binghamton has a bad loss to Marist. So they played no one, they have a bad loss, and they have no wins. So that's why they're at 25 on my list. Right. Albany, with no wins, no bad losses, and a loss to Syracuse, I had him at 16. Realistically, I could justify having him at 20, right? right? Behind Yale with two top 20 wins. Right. Behind Virginia with one top 20 win. But those win. guys have bad losses, like you said. They do. I mean, Yale, listen, Yale has two top 20 wins, and they have two bad losses. Virginia has one top 20 win and one bad loss. Loyola has one top 20 win and one bad loss. To me, a bad loss offsets a top 20 win. So realistically, you look at, you know, if you take big W's, which is top 20 wins, and subtract the bad losses out of that, you end up with a power number of zero for Albany, zero for Yale, zero for Virginia, zero for Loyola, and zero for Marquette. That's why I have those teams the way that they are. Now, Albany plays Maryland tonight, or this afternoon, right now, tonight at seven o'clock. If Albany beats Maryland, they're going to end up going up to probably 11 or 12, right next to Army and Penn State, who have one top 20 win apiece and one top 20 loss, but no bad losses. Um, and, and, and that's the way that it should be. You know, Now, I would argue that it's not Albany's fault that they're in the America East and the America East doesn't have a lot of teams. Stony Brook didn't pan out the way that they indicated that their 2017 season would evolve after a really strong start and then go get their doors blown off at Rutgers. So they are at the mercy of being in a conference that, let's face it, is not going to be deep like the ACC and the Big Ten. With that said, they need to do what UPenn does and schedule super aggressively outside of conference so that they are – uh, you know, in a more competitive situation as the rankings come out week to week. And they didn't do that. You know, they, they, they played, they, they have Syracuse and Maryland. Well, and they got Yale coming up too. So if Yale hopefully loses to Brown this week, um, you know, <laughs> that becomes Maxwell, a bad loss. That, well, <laughs> I, I still think that Yale with two top 20 wins, although let's face it, 
Both of Yale's top 20 wins are over 15 Princeton and 18 Villanova. Yep. Princeton got beat last night by Lehigh. It wasn't pretty. And Villanova got beat by Denver. That takes a little bit of the luster off of both of Yale's top 20 wins, right? And Yale still has losses to Bryant and UMass. Um, the Ivy League is going to be a one-team conference for the NCAA tournament. It's going to come down to who wins that. Let's hope it's Brown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one for the poll. Denver, Maryland. You know, they're ranked in Hofstra, ranked sure. four, three, and two. Hofstra's seven in your poll after stroking them all year, and you more or less justified it right there. I mean, they're just not playing anyone, and I'm assuming um, that Army is going to be in the same boat for you. Army's in the same boat. Listen, I got Army ranked. I got my, my poll, I got Denver two, right? Denver has four top 20 wins. They beat number 10 Duke, number four Notre Dame, number 16 Towson, number 18 Villanova. They have no bad losses. And they have they have two their two losses are simply number nineteen UNC and number nine Ohio State. Okay. Yep. So then you look at Maryland. Maryland's playing great. Hofstra obviously playing well, right? Maryland has two top twenty wins, beating Carolina, who actually lost to Denver, right? So that's yep. somewhat of a contradiction. And they beat Penn State, but Villanova and Notre Dame both beat Maryland. So Maryland has two top twenty wins, no bad losses. Hofstra has two top 20 wins, no bad losses, right? Yep. But Maryland's only played four top 20 teams. Hofstra's played two top 20 teams. Denver's body of work is essentially the same as Maryland and Hopkins, or Maryland and Hofstra's together. Right. Right? Hofstra has two quality wins. Maryland has two quality wins. Denver has four. Right. Right? Denver's played six top 20 teams. Maryland's played four. Hofstra's played two. So it's it's a it's a no brainer. You know, it's a no brainer. It's Denver, then it's Maryland, and then it's Hofstra in that order, based on their body of work to date. I have a question for you. <clears throat> yep. If Albany goes ahead and beats Maryland, yep. Where do you have them in the poll? Um, I have them at least twelve. Uh, I would have them ranked ahead of Penn State, who will have only beaten Ohio State and lost to Maryland. But I would have them behind Army. Wow. That's the nice pickup because that was what I was going with. Because I was like, do you you value wins later in the season than early in the season? Because remember, Army beat Cuse, who right now is number one in the country. And Albany will have beaten, let's just say, Maryland, who's not number one in the country. Both would be at, what, 10 and 1-ish or whatever it is. Um, And I was curious if you would pick that up. I was trying to set you into a trap there, but you picked it up really well. So I appreciate well, I'm that. Very so. sleazy. I'm very <laughs> sleazy. Uh, so that's where it would be. Albany goes to 12. Nice. Behind army, but ahead of Penn state. I like it. So you do. So there are people and I, I don't necessarily disagree with this. There are people who value later season, bigger wins than early season, bigger wins. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that because there are teams who mold themselves into uh, who they are later in the season, so they become more dangerous. Let's face it, Syracuse at the beginning of the season is not nearly as dangerous as they are later in the season. Would you agree with that? Uh, no question. So I, I and and I do think that there is value to that. So Army's win over Syracuse, you could argue, just is do less... this. RD. Listen, I'm going to do something with you. Figure this out, okay? Right. If you had to bet. Um, your children's future, 
on the outcome of this game, who would you pick? Syracuse versus Albany. Oh, jeez. Is there a line on the game? No. <laughs> Straight up. Who Straight wins? Up. Syracuse plays Albany. Where is it being played? I think that, that is a that's the that's the deciding factor for me. I think I think you think it's that close? Yeah. I don't think Ben okay. Williams okay. is is okay. touching TD Ireland, and I think that Albany is well, on a run right now. Although he killed Ireland the first game, but I don't know if he does it now. I, I don't. I don't. I, I, it's a fifty-fifty. I think. First off, it was a fifty-fifty in the first game. It was ten-nine. Unless he, you know, went in the woods and got a bunch of poison sumac and deer ticks and has Lyme <laughs> disease and his joints start hurting. And all right, how about this? Denver versus Albany. Who wins? Denver. Notre Dame versus Albany, who wins? I don't know. Dem- Notre Dame is, is... Ryan, the Thompsons aren't on Albany anymore. De- Notre Dame versus Albany, who wins? I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer that Notre Dame, I would take Notre Dame over Albany every single time. Yeah, okay? Notre Dame. How about Ohio State over Albany, who wins? Ohio State. Maryland versus Albany, who wins? Uh... Las Vegas Lions has Maryland as a, you know, as a favorite in this game. By three goals or two and a half, whatever it is. So who wins between Maryland and Albany? Maryland. Hopkins like and Albany. Albany. Okay, I disagree with you there. Hofstra and Albany. Albany. Duke and Albany. Duke. Carolina and Albany. Albany. Rutgers and Albany. Albany. Armony. Ar- Armony and Albany. Armony. <laughs> Army and Albany. Oh, good game. Uh, it's, it's a home home field advantage, whoever, whoever's playing at home. Penn State and Albany. Penn State. Princeton and Albany. Uh, Albany. Especially House. after the loss, especially after the loss against Lehigh. I don't House and Albany. <sighs> Woodall versus T Island. Isn't that the best matchup you could ask for all year other than Ireland versus Baptiste? I mean, we forgot about Woodall when we were talking about face-off yeah. guys, by the way. Right. Uh, I'm, God, it's tough. It's not easy. My point is that Albany at 16, you know, you probably had, I I had 15 teams that I put in. I didn't even ask you about Rich, Richmond and Albany, just so I can move ahead. I'm going, I'm going Richmond. Me too. Okay. So out of those 15 teams that I currently have ranked ahead of Albany, you probably named six that you would. Take Albany ahead of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You hedged on a couple. So that would put them right around 11 for me, I guess. Right. Is, that, that's right. is, that, is that what you're getting about, at? And that's yeah. about where they should be. Now, yep. who knows? Maybe they go on a run and they you know, win the national championship, and I, I hope for Scotty and Mar's sake that they do. My point is we don't know who they are until they start playing the better teams, and they haven't done that. Yeah. No, totally. I agree. So that's why they're at 16. We'll see where they are tomorrow. All right, so here's the deal. Did any of your Torton candidates lose value over the weekend? Over My the candidates. Weekend? Uh, what's that? Over the weekend? Over the over weekend, the- and including last night, too. So Yes. Uh, this is a Wednesday morning show, so if you're listening to this I, I've later got a in the front, week. I've got a clear front runner for my Torton. Uh, and, and I've got a number two. 
I I also have a clear front runner as well, um, and I probably have a number two as well. But yours, at are Connor Fields, Courier, Baptiste, Randall, and Pew. Mine are Courier, Baptiste, Reeves, Sexton, and Sowers. Yep. At did any of your candidate before you get into your number one? Did any of your candidates um, <clears throat> lose stock over the last say four days or let's just say week? Right. Zach Courier lost a little stock with them getting their doors blown off last night at Lehigh. Yeah, um, lost well, a little bit of stock though because a little bit. Listen, he's a stud. Uh, you know, is I he just, still in your top five? Is, is is have you have your top five changed? And has anyone mo- moved in because maybe Courier say just you gave an example. Courier lost a little stock. Was it enough to pull him out of the five and move somebody else in? Um, honestly, I I just had I had one guy emerge as the favorite where I didn't have him as the favorite last week. Um, other than that, it's, I would say nobody sort of played themselves out. Um, I don't think anybody's played themselves out per se out of this. I mean, uh, Connor Fields is clearly a first team all American for me. Uh, there's no question about that, but you look at their game versus UMBC, you know, it's a league opponent. UMBC was four and five coming into the game. You know, Albany wins 10, five. We both felt Albany would win this game yep. a lot by a much bigger margin than that. 10 goals were scored, but Connor Fields had six points. I mean, he's three and three in the game. So, you know, he's involved with 60% of the goals, but the opponent isn't great, but let's face it, you know, I'm getting picky on the fact that he only had six points in a 10 goal game. <laughs> right. Uh, right. I mean, that's a little weak from my perspective. Um, so it, to, to me, he's still the front runner for attackment of the year. Zach Courier is still the front runner for midi of the year. Um, ben Randall still, in my opinion, a first team all American defenseman. We still have, you know, obviously three weeks to go or whatever it may be. And then the tournament. So let's see what happens there, but certainly a great victory for Ohio state over Johns Hopkins, you know, makes me feel that his status didn't change at all. Um, you know, Benny Pugh to me, saving the ball at almost 70%. He's very solidly a first, the first team, all American goalie, in my opinion. Um, but my front runner, if you want me to, disclose it is go ahead is clearly trevor baptiste I mean, it's, he, it's it's un, it's un, he's got to be undeniable be, yeah, unarguable. I mean, a, lot, a lot like uh you know the beast did in the mll he's gonna win him mll mvp in the ncaa that's what he's but, gonna do listen, that's what he's already done and, and he should he should i mean he's like you said put it this way you take trevor baptiste off denver and they are way less scarier now all of a sudden they're they're shaky goalie really is shaky that's right right and their offense is not as dangerous you know that's like you said i mean that that's that's what's allowed them to become so scary that's true Uh, it's true you know and and so to me he's he's the he's the the favorite right here i mean he just he flat out is um and he's earned it I like it. I like it a lot, um, and I do agree do you as have? well. I mean, Courier, Baptiste, we have similar, obviously, there. Sexton, I had in as 
uh, an animal uh, in between the lines, much like the Tullet Larkin Kent combo last year was, but he's doing it himself. Um, ben Reeves uh, is there because largely and due to his recent run, but also because you know he was there last year as a as a Tourton finalist. Um, Sowers loses a little bit of credible credible credibility, excuse me, from last uh, last night. God, that was tough to get through, but he did end up with one goal and three assists. Um, right. so he's still averaging, you know, well over four points a game. So, you know, it's tough, but I will say if none of those guys lost too much, you know, clout, Trevor Baptiste increased it by a mile this yeah. past weekend. And yeah. he's been a tour time finalist, I believe all three years. Yeah. I mean, this I, is junior year. He's been in it, the running freshman year. Deservedly, he was in it his sophomore year, and, and guess what? He's going to win it his senior, uh, his junior. He's year. the most dominant player in the country by far. He just is, no doubt. We're going to take a quick break. We got a little surprise for you guys coming in after the break. We'll be right back. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. We take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. All right, so we got a big time guest in with us right now. Can't believe it, but he just crashed the show. We, we, this is like two weeks in a row. First is Shay. Now it's Barstool Jordy coming in hot. Uh, he's coming in hot after his weekend in Long Island for the Lizards. I had the pleasure of 
working with him for a weekend. It was awfully nice. Barstool Jordy, how did you think you played this past weekend? Uh, if I had to grade myself one to ten, uh, the the two and a half minutes that I was out there, I'm going to give myself a solid eight point seven. Nice. Um, I, I think a real real gritty effort out there from a blogger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I mean, for anyone listening that that doesn't know, I uh, I, I just write a bunch of nonsense on the internet for BarstoolSports.com. The Lizards contacted me. They said, "Hey, we have training camp coming up. Do you want to come out for a for a scrimmage against the Hounds?" I was like, "Absolutely, I'll suit up for that." Uh, so uh, coaches threw me in there with about three minutes left to play. Uh, drew a flag, almost got an assist. So you know, in in my mind, that's that's Gary Gate level kind of, kind of <laughs> right? production per minute. That's what it is, Jordy. I yeah, like I mean, it. The, the drawn penalty it doesn't make it to the to the newspaper clippings the next day, but that's the kind of stuff that really gets your team a win. That you got to get those gritty plays if you want if you want to have success in this league. Right, unifies the locker room too. A lot of people talk about your intangible person and as a blogger, and clearly. That's a testament to both. So nice work. Just getting to those uh, dirty areas of the field. That's what I'm all about. Philly lacrosse. So, so you, are you the only? Uh, are you the only barstool blogger covering Division One lacrosse or lacrosse in general? Uh, yeah. So before I got brought on to Barstool, uh, there's at Charlie Wisco on Twitter, um, and and he was real big in being the first one on Barstool to kind of champion the game a little bit. So he'd give uh, you know his NCAA tournament predictions, stuff like that. Um, unfortunately, he well not unfortunately for him, he's a senior at Wisconsin this year, so he has uh, plenty of other fun things to do his senior year of college than to blog about lacrosse on the internet. So I've kind of <laughs> taken over the reins at Barstool for him and letting him enjoy his uh, last last couple weeks here of freedom. I, I love it. I love it. And uh, you happen to be a big Albany fan as well, correct? Yeah. So, uh, you know, ever since last season when I saw their uh, their roster headshots that have, you know, gone pretty viral <laughs> over the past couple of years, as, as soon as I saw the types of characters on that team that we were working with, I knew that I had a match made in heaven. So I've, I've kind of adopted the Danes as my team, um, you know, and they're, they're going, they got a big tilt today with uh, Maryland heading on up there to, to Albany for a nice little Wednesday game. Who do you like in that? The uh, the Terps are laying two and a half in that game, Jordy. Uh, you know, I've been I've been a little skeptical of Albany based on their lack of schedule, lack of competition. What do you? How do you feel about that game? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, so this past weekend, obviously Maryland got the the big win over number one Penn State, um, but that's that's a Saturday game at College Park, beautiful weather. Um, going up against the number one team, obviously, you know, they sort of had, you know, the environment there was, was friendly for them and all the pressure was on, uh, was on the Nittany Lions. Agree. Going up to Albany on a Wednesday for a game that was scheduled like three (laughs) weeks ago. So this is a makeup game because it was, it got weather delayed. So you got to go up to Albany on a Wednesday. That's, I mean, that, that's not a, that's not a fun drive. You're stuck in the bus. You get out there as soon as you get off the bus. You're, you're thrown into enemy territory, and uh, you know if TD Ireland keeps going strong at, at the faceoff X, and Connor Fields does what Connor Fields does. I, I could see Albany squeaking away the win here, and then that that would have to jump them into the top three. Yeah, you got you got to think that when Maryland gets off the bus, 
and sees the big Pepsi Center sign, <laughs> not Coke, <laughs> right? Pepsi, which we all know sucks. It's too sugary. It's Right, it's like a day old Coke is what it is. <laughs> just, just, just the effects, subliminal effects of being in a big time minor league sports town like Albany is just going to have to take the wind out of the turp sails. You'll see if they. It's going to be a true test for their mental toughness, isn't it? I mean, that it's you. You hit the nail on the head there. Um, and if I were if I were Albany, I would probably go through warm ups without helmets on, um, because just looking at some of those guys, looking at, at the facial hair they're working with, looking at the uh, the haircuts they're working with, I mean that's intimidation right there. You you throw on the Cascade R, it kind of takes away from it a little bit. Um, so, but if we have the boys out there warming up, no buckets, letting the flow rage, um, intimidation factors is through the roof. You're already going into Albany, which is you know. No one wants to play in Albany. Not, not even Michael Jordan said himself that the last place on earth that he would want to play a game is in <laughs> Albany, New York. And I right. believe him. They should hang Albany. Albany Sports Information Office should hang Hunt's ketchup banners, Miracle Whip <laughs> banners, uh, you know, Hertz rental car banners all <laughs> over the inside of their venues and just create a really small time environment. <laughs> the big 10 Terps can handle that kind of backdrop. I don't think they can, but we'll see if the sports info people at Albany have the balls to actually evoke that kind of emotion out of the right. perennial NCAA finalists. I, I think we can get the wheels turning on that movement right here, right now. Maybe <laughs> Del Vita cheese, that would be another one. Uh, so you've got, you've got uh, Barstool all maturity. I'm, <laughs> you've got uh, Albany, I'm assuming, cover. You've got the money line on Albany, and then you've got uh, you know, the spread. You're going to take Albany plus two and a half. Is that correct? Yeah, we're we're riding and dying with, with the Danes here. <laughs> what's what's um, the over-under? The over-under is 25 and a half. You got the o- I mean, again, Albany, they, I'm pretty sure they score like – you, you can check my math on this one. I'm not an advanced analytics guy, but I think that they score 103 goals per game. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have to go with the over on that one. Yep. But seriously, I, I do how, – how much are they scoring right now? I, I think it's, it's at least 16-17, so – yeah, but then, but then, then you've got Maryland, who's either scoring four goals a game like they did against Notre Dame, or they're scoring 15 goals a game. They're up and down, and they have the ability to uh, at least minimize TD Ireland's with Henningsen at the X. So you can say that they're not going to see nearly as many possessions, but they certainly want to make it ugly between the lines because that's their best offense. Uh, so it should be interesting. It could, I could see it getting the under because they did. I mean, look, Syracuse, Syracuse, Albany was 10-9. Yeah, I mean uh... – I, I guess it all depends on uh, you know how, how the how the sticks are thrown when they get off the bus. Um, I'm I'm hoping that the defense on both ends is a little bit more sleepy uh, on a Wednesday game than the offense, and because I you know I'm always rooting for as many goals in lacrosse as possible. I think yep. you know when as long as every game is hitting the over, that's when lacrosse starts jumping its way into the mainstream because people get up for goals. Um, unfortunately, pe- people don't really get up for for you know, stalwart one versus one defense. It's true. It's true. And uh, once Big Cat starts being able to bet the over in all these Saturday games, we're in good. We're in good shape for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Jordy, do you want to uh, run down 
in the lineup are lightning rounds. So we are able to get the, the lines a little bit before everyone else. Those guys at uh, Las Vegas Lines pump us the lines. We have a lightning round. It's very simple. You give a one-liner on why you ju- to justify uh, your pick. Um, but basically, it's just really quick. We're going to go through about seven games this weekend. You in or out? Let's go through it. All right, yes. perfect. You in it for as, uh, as long as we have that big time uh, Hampton versus NJIT. <laughs> that exactly. didn't make they, the you know what? Down. They were front runners for the Rock Bottom Bowl this week, but they got <laughs> uh, they got displaced by two teams, and it certainly doesn't sting to put in that Rock Bottom Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go through it here. All right, here we go. The first one up: Brown at number fifteen, Yale. Yale is favored by three goals. The over under is twenty three and a half. A.T., we'll start with you. What do you got? Well, you know who I got. Um, I, got uh, I got I got. I to draw out the face-off X. I got Brown having an advantage in the goal. I got the pressure on Yale at home, but I'm going to the game, and I'm going to be big, loud, and abrasive. I got Brown, and I got the over. Uh, Jordy, uh, Yale is favored by three. The over-under is 23-and-a-half. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, Yale's Yale's coming out of there with a win. I'm 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 down on Brown, but uh, I do think that they cover the three. So uh, give me Yale, Yale with the win. Brown cover. Let's go over. We're, we're probably gonna stick with over for. So you got you got Brown to cover, or you think Yale wins by more than three? No, I I think that Brown covers, but I think Yale probably squeaks out a one-two goal win. All right, got yeah. it. So you got Brown in the over. And he's yep. always got. He's. It looks like he's always getting the over here. Uh, number yeah. F- so that, that that that'll just be a good one. Number fourteen, Princeton, Are going you, to. Oh yeah, sorry. I've got Yale minus three for sure. I'm taking Yale. I think that there's uh, a massive advantage at the faceoff X. I think that uh, while yes, the goalie is definitely an advantage for Brown. They're just not going to see the ball enough. I got Yale minus three, and I've got the over. Princeton. Number 14, Princeton, coming off a loss against Lehigh last night. Going to the woods to play my alma mater. Great. Princeton is favored by six and a half goals. The over-under here is 21. AT, what do you have here? Uh, they're going to pound them. <laughs> I, got, I got Princeton, and now the question becomes the over-under, which is, can, does Dartmouth get to six? Right? <laughs> That's the question. Princeton's going to get to 15. Um, I'm going to say that Dartmouth does. I think Richie Loftus himself gets six points in this game, but I think they get beat by like eight. So I'm going to take Princeton, and I'm going to take the over. Nice. Jordy, what do you got? Uh, Michael Sowers is a first-team All-American attackman as a freshman, and I think that he himself gets the over for this game <laughs> in, in terms of points. So uh, get, give me Princeton on the cover plus the over. Love it. I got to take Dartmouth on the cover. I'm just going to – it's so dumb, but uh, I got to do it. The alma mater is back into the mix on the, uh, in, the, in the rundown here. On so. what? After, after a Tuesday night win over UML? That's right. So, look, you got to ride the hot streak. Low, the Lowell big win this week. should have been a Buxom Blonde. <laughs> should have been. I'm going to take – cheated that you weren't. I'm going to take the over as well. Uh, Ohio State – Goes to Michigan. Michigan finally installing spring ball. They're playing before the spring ball game, or after. I think it's before the spring ball game, which is good. Um, so number nine, Ohio State at Michigan, one p.m. game Saturday. OSU is favored by three and a half. 
The over-under is 21 and a half. Uh, what do you got here, A.T.? I love Tommy Height and goal for Michigan, but I like Withers at the X. I think that Michigan's got a high-powered offense. I just don't think they're going to have the ball enough, and they're not going to be able to stop Ohio State. I got Ohio State and the over. Jordy. Where? Where, uh, where, where is this game at this weekend? At, this Michigan. at Michigan in the big house. The Rutgers, game. The, the Rutgers game was at the big house too. That, that home field advantage. <laughs> Need it. Well, Mich- Michigan, Michigan plus three Michigan and a half. Over. Nice. Nice. Number 12 Richmond goes to Kentucky. What do you got, dude? Dude, I keep doing it. I can't Penn's fucking believe this. Making mine look awful, long. awful, awful. I'm taking OSU minus three and a half, and I'm taking the over as well. I think that they'll both score plenty of goals. 12 Richmond at Bellarmine in Kentucky. Richmond is favored by five. The over under here is 18 and a half. What do you got, AT? Um, I, well, I definitely have Richmond. There's no question about that. I'm actually going to take the under because I don't think Albany is going to generate Albany, a shot Albany, in this Albany, game. So Bellarmine, got, Bellarmine, Bellarmine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bellarmine. I don't Jesus. think Bellarmine's going to generate a shot against Richmond, even though it's in Louisville. I like Richmond and the under. Nice. Jordy. What, uh, what, what did we set that over under at? Uh, the over under is 18 and a half. Ooh. All right, yeah, because this—I mean, this game—it—it it smells like Vegas. This—this this is one that they've definitely had had their nose on Trap for a game. while. Trap game. Um, I mean, I—I'm thinking. I, I don't want to be that guy, but I, I do think we see a push here. I think it's—it's it's gonna be like a twelve-seven win for Richmond, which uh, I guess gets us to the over. So I mean, <laughs> nice. Vegas, nice. Vegas is right on the money with this one. Um, so, you know, the, the over under is going to be a make or break for a lot of people's bank accounts this weekend, but, uh, <laughs> give me, uh, I mean, give me Richmond by five. So a nice little push plus the over. You're, you're actually picking green on the roulette rule. You're picking a pick. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. You are, a, you are running with scissors while playing with matches by the pool. Jewelry. I love that kind of riskiness. Picking green. <laughs> I, I'm I like documenting it. it as. A push because I don't know if we'll ever see it again. That's a good one, man. We should implement that in our picks. Number four, Denver. Uh, God, I almost did it again. I'm picking. I'm picking Richmond minus five, but I'm taking the over in this one. I think they both score a little bit more. Uh, number four, Denver at St. John's in Queens. I believe that's where it is. Denver favored by Queens. Five and a half goals is the spread. Twenty-one is the over/under. What do you got, At? Well, unless Trevor Baptiste is the victim of the knockout game on the corner of some, uh, you know, Queens deli, which I don't think they're going to have to, they're going to have a big guy. If they're going to try to knock Trevor Baptiste, I don't see it happen. Hey, if if you're ever in Jamaica, Queens, you're going to get yourself a, a damn fine bagel. (laughs) <laughs> best, hands down, best bagels in America. Jamaica I think the, I think the only ba- I think the only bagel coming out of this game, Jordy, is for St. John. <laughs> I've got I've got Denver and the under. Wow, Jordy. Yeah, I mean, I I have a, a ton of love for the Johnnies, uh, but this is just a, a, a rough year. For the boys, I uh, got got a couple guys from the hometown over there, so you know I, I don't want to pile on them too much. But give me Denver and uh, let, let, 
Nah, let's just stick with the over. I was I was thinking over there. I was thinking I was, I, I didn't know who I was for a second, but give me give me Denver plus an over. Uh, I'm taking Denver minus five and a half. This might as well be played in Denver. Um, And I'm taking the over as well. Um, Last one in the lightning round. Drexel goes to number two Hofstra for a 7 p.m. tilt. Hofstra is favored by three goals. 22 and a half is the over under AT. What do you got? Well, listen, you got two teammates going head to head with a long history behind them and Seth Tierney and Volks. Uh, Drexel coming off a huge win against Fairfield last week. And let's face it, Hofstra only wins games 11 to 9. So I've got Drexel <laughs> and I've got the under. Jordy. So you said Hofstra has three goals here? Three, so, yep, exactly. All right. Uh, I mean, Drexel, they're, they're a Philly team, so I get to see them play every once in a while. And uh, I just – I don't think that they have have that in them. So give me uh, give me Hofstra with the three, and we'll we'll stick with the overs to close out this lightning round. I like it, man. I'm taking Hofstra as well, and I'm taking the over. I think both of them will get into the scoring match here. Uh, but Jordy, thank you so much for your time, man, and uh, really appreciate. It. We got to get you on more often, and uh, and hopefully uh, get you to talk more about these lines. They're hilarious, that's for sure. Absolutely. Hey, Thanks for pl- coming on. Pleasure Jordan. being on here, fellas. You're the man. All right, thanks. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back. Maximize your comfort. Drink. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. So welcome back to the show. That was pretty fun. Getting Barstool Judy onto the show. Um, A quick hijack of the show that was a lot of fun uh he's a he's a he's a good character man i got to i got to meet him uh at the lizards training camp this weekend um and how's his game his game is is good i mean he's a he's a he's a beer league player he's a lefty which is very rare so he becomes immediately valuable for any beer league uh, summer league team, um, but uh, he's a he's a good egg and he's he's got a good stick and uh, you know he's a lacrosse nice, player. Nice usage of good egg around Easter. Yeah, it's uh, it's Easter weekend coming up. He's uh, a good pumpkin. Imagine in November, he's like, he's a good yeah, he's a good pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> so much fruitier. It's so much fruitier than good egg. All right, we got to kind of back up a little bit because we we went off uh, off the rails uh, with Jordy coming on, but uh, we've got Coach of the Week, Player of the Week, and then we got uh, recap our last week, and then we got to go over the rest of the games of the weekend. We got to do this all fairly quickly, um, so let's start it up. ATA Coach and Player of the Week, who's your Coach of the Week? Coach of the Week, I'll start with my runner up, and that is uh, down in Chapel Hill, Joe Bresci. Coaching his team to a huge season-saving win, fifteen to twelve over Virginia on Sunday night, is my runner-up. Uh, my coach of the week this week is a guy that 
maybe the coach of the decade. It just doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion, for everything that he does to not only move the sport forward, but just to have his teams peak at the right time. And that's the undeniable John Donowski from Duke coaching his guys to an 11-8 win over Notre Dame, a game that they went in as you know two-and-a-half-point dogs and for them to come back and win the, uh, or for them to win the way that they did, John Donowski is my coach of the week. Awesome. Uh, my coach of the week is, or assistant coach of the week, excuse me, Brad Ross, putting up 13 goals this weekend, putting Ohio State back into the top 10, as they should be, as one of the best teams in the country right now, as they lead their team going into Michigan in the one of the biggest rivals in college across, uh, which is fun to say now because we have Michigan in the mix. But Brad Ross, 13 goals uh, in his offense, really tuned it in uh, against Hop, putting them down. Uh, so that was good to see. Brad Ross, congrats on the greatest honor in assistant coach I think this is the only honor, so it is maybe the, the only honor. available honor. <laughs> the only congrats on the only available honor you could win. Uh, IYF assistant coach of the week. At who's your player of the week? Uh, again, I'll go runner up first, and two guys playing the same position. But my runner up this week went twenty three out of thirty at the X with one goal. Same game, North Carolina faceoff guy Stephen Bones Kelly spearheading. His team's 15-12 to 12 victory with their back against the wall over the Cavaliers. My runner-up is Stephen Bones Kelly. My player of the week, who, again, is my front-runner for the Tawarton Trophy this season. No doubt. Trevor Baptiste, three goals, one assist, 23 for 28 at the face-off X in Denver, 16-11 to 11 win over number 18, Villanova. Trevor Baptiste, player of the week. I love it, and uh, deservedly so. My player of the week from Alabama. Yes. And not only Alabama, from Ohio State. He goes four goals, three assists, generating over 50, well over 50% of uh, Ohio State's offense in the 13 goals that Brad Ross. Coming out of the box, which is a really nice adjustment that Brad Ross did, Jack Jasinski. The Alabama product, really good to see um, you know, somebody produce so much and play so well uh, from a non-traditional area. Very good performance. Jack Jasinski, my player of the week. AT, we got to cover and review last week. This is the most important part of the show and the best part of the show. Finally, the best <laughs> part of the show. Well, how was last week? Last week was ugly, Ryan. Um, <laughs> it was beautiful. Listen. Then. Listen, it's, it's, it's an unbelievably tight race overall. Um, but if you really want the fine print of week nine, uh, I'll give it to you. And that was I had 10 correct and 19 losses. And you had 14 correct and 15 losses. Oh. So you won the week with a C-minus performance over my F. Um, for me, good pick, bad pick. You know, my good picks were Hofstra in the under, yep. my, uh, Yale in the under, and Maryland in the over. My bad pick, and your good picks were Syracuse in the over, Yale in the under, and Denver in the over. But I was really, really bad. I lost two points on each of Michigan in the over versus Rutgers, UMass in the under versus Towson, 
Army in the Under versus BU, oh Albany in the Over versus UMBC. Oh my God! Richmond in the Under versus Mercer, <laughs> Princeton and the Over versus Stony Brook, and Hopkins in the Under at Ohio State. So oh. it was a full hemorrhaging of zeros for me. <laughs> Um, you had only, uh, about half the hemorrhaging. You had army in the under loss of two Delaware in the over loss of two Albany in the over losses two, and Richmond in the under. So overall a much better week for you. And overall I'm at 157 correct and 156 wrong. And you are at 158 correct and 155 wrong. So you're actually up one point uh oh. at basically it's a rock bottom ball because, yeah it is so <laughs> um but phenomenal week rd you got the title nice uh, that's incredible that it's that 50 50 over the year um wow so let's roll into the bigger games of the week we've got one two three four five six seven eight of them we're a little long on the show, but who cares at this point? We had a nice guest on. Number three, Maryland goes against number five, Albany. And Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Maryland is favored by two and a half. The over-under here is 25 and a half. What do you got, A.T.? Wow, this is tough, man. You know, really I, 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 uh, I think the faceoff X is going to be a huge dictator. I think whoever wins the faceoffs is going to be in a position to control the game. I see the numbers being 50-50, and at the end, this essentially being a wash. I do like Albany in the goal better than I like Maryland in the goal. Yep. Um, and as high-powered as Albany's offense is, and as hard as they are to prepare for, I just don't think they have the same amount of personnel from player two to player 10 yep. that Maryland does. And even though the game is in Albany – um, you know, for Maryland playing really well at this point in the season, um, I, I, I'm going to go with Maryland and I'm going to take the over in this game. I, I'm going to go with Maryland and I'm going to take the under. Look, I think that Albany has a tendency to really take advantage of these runs. We talked about this in the beginning of the show. And I don't think that they're going to have the same amount of runs that they've had all season against opponents that are less inferior to them. Look at the only win that they've, or the only game that they've won, a big-time game, or excuse me, didn't even win, was the game against Cuse. And it was 10-9 against a very good face-off guy. Right. And, if, if and they lost. They, and they, they lost. lost. He lost. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and now, look, is the matchup going to be the same with Henningsen? I would suspect it's probably going to be look a little different, but the runs that they normally get aren't going to happen in this one, and I think the efficiency level that Maryland's going to pull down on the offensive end is going to be higher than that in Albany's, and you're going to see a slower-paced game than what Albany typically runs because um, you know that that's what Tillman wants to do. They know they don't want to get into a track meet with Albany because that's when they start playing into their hands. And so from that standpoint, I'm going to take the under, but I still have Maryland winning by three or more goals just on the same stuff that you're saying. The depth, uh, the equal distribution of talent across the board uh, is going to help Maryland win this tonight. Next up, number 19 Loyola at Boston University. Loyola is favored by two and a half goals. The over-under here is 21 and a half. What do you got, AT? You know, I really like uh, Loyola in this one. I like Graham Savio at the X a lot. I don't see BU being able to cover Pat Spencer. Uh, B- Loyal looks like they've made some adjustments that has ma- made them better at both 
ends of the field. We know they have the personnel. Um, you know, this is a team, while they haven't played like it for most of the year, it's still a team that personnel-wise and certainly uh, coaching-wise has all the ingredients to make it back to the Final Four again. And I think that while BU has had a good season record-wise, certainly they've come crashing back to earth as their schedule has increased in difficulty. So I am going to go with Loyola. And I think that due to the performance of Carson Bannister, uh, it's going to be a little bit more low scoring than Loyola is used to. But I do think that Loyola will be too much for BU today or, or, or this weekend. And I've got Loyola and I've got the under. I'm taking BU in the money um, line. Ooh. Wow. And then I'm also taking BU plus two and a half, obviously. Yeah. And I'm going to take the crap. This is a good one. I like it. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. going to take the over in this one. Love Look it. at the game against Army. I mean, it's a yep. 10-11 game. And I feel like that's exactly the same game we're going to get out of Loyola. Bottom line is, is BU needs this. <laughs> Loyola needs need this. It. Both teams need this for the Patriot League advantage. Um, BU at Nickerson, at Nickerson too. That's that it's, it's, it's it definitely does. And look, we I, we haven't seen Talco all year. Uh, I don't believe we have. Have we? He hasn't been in. They're not going to play him now, are they? I mean, I, essentially, essentially, he's got another year. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's although BU's having a good year. I mean, let's face it. I I I, I, I would be shocked if we see Talco at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know who we're going to see, um, and they might be making that decision, which would be a smart decision. But again, like you said, if they're winning, this is, are they going to ever be able to do it again, right? <laughs> you right. got to kind of empty it so out. They play soft schedule, they will. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, Poli's a great, listen, Polly's an awesome coach. He's one of the best coaches out there. Um, and you know, as time goes on, they're, gonna, they're only going to get more and more great talent as he's a great evaluator. Obviously, look at what he's done in such a short time there. I just think that, um, you know, they, I think they need to. I think they need to play a tougher schedule. That's what I think. Well, in the end, they still got to win the Patriot League to get there anyway, because it seems like the Patriot League is a one bid max league as it is. So if you're if you know your league is only going to be a one bid max league, then I would schedule softer. I wouldn't need yeah. to um, because it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, so that's what I got. I got BU winning this, and okay. I've got I've got the over. So uh, number six. Army goes to Navy in the Battle of the Military Service Academies. Army favored by two and a half. The over under here is 21. Talk about one of the streakiest seasons of all time by Navy, losing the Lafayette, then coming back, winning some games, and losing some games. Look, there's no doubt that the two major injuries to the two best players on their roster were a major hit to Navy, but it seems, though, that LVL, Lax Vegas Lions, is uh, putting a lot of stock into this game and certainly playing it in Annapolis. Um, this is a big game for both teams just from the sense of bragging rights for the next year. And do they play each other in the tournament? Probably not. I think Navy's out of the Patriot League tournament. I haven't really looked at the uh, situation quite yet. But who do you have no, in this think, one? I don't think Navy is out of the I don't think they're out of the Patriot League. Remember, they take six teams, That's Ryan. That's true. That's true. There's right? 25 of them in the league. I, I, I think in this rivalry, you have to throw out uh, everything. Right. Throw out records. And, and throwing out records in this game is a big deal. Look, Navy, traditionally, in my opinion, 
has had more success, is, 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 is you know, uh, a, a more of a winning program than Army is. Army's clearly having the better year. Um, but I think Brady Dove keys a money line victory wow. for Nike in this game. Uh, I, I'm taking Navy. It's got to be a low-scoring game for Navy to win this. Um, I'm going to take Navy, and I'm going to take the under. Wow. Uh, I'm yep. taking the over in this one. I'm taking Army minus two and a half. I think uh-huh. this game means more to Army for bull bragging rights, but also, God, imagine if they lose this game and then they don't win the Patriot League championship. They don't go. They don't, they don't get an at-large. I mean, that's the reality of it. Um, and so from that standpoint, I'm taking um, I'm taking <clears throat> Army minus two and a half, and I'm taking the over. Next up, uh-oh, uh-oh. We're going to have to take a quick break because AT just knocked out, so we'll be right back. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. What happened? No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. All right, we're back on. We've got, uh, we're just going to finish off this. Penn State, AT. Uh, number seven, Penn State goes to. Number 13, Johns Hopkins. Penn State is favored by one. The over-under here is 23. What do you got? Oh, this is big. You know, how does Hunter Moreland do at the X? 
against Gerard Arcieri. And, and I think that Gerard Arcieri beats him. Uh, but the game is played in Homewood. Um, and Hopkins, you know, like, like they always do, it's like literally like the game of golf. It's like right when you expect them to have turned the corner and to go on this, you know, big run, then they lose a game. And as soon as they, you know, lose and you think that they're going to throw at the tank, they beat Rutgers 12-6. And it's not even close. Yeah. Um, so sort of following that pattern at home, Hopkins coming off a disappointing loss to Ohio State, Penn State beating Ohio State. You got to think that Penn State, even though they're coming off a loss to Maryland, you got to think that coming to this game, Penn State maybe feels like, all right, you know, we we pounded Ohio State, Ohio State, you know, beat Hopkins. We have a lot of respect for them, but I just I just don't see Penn State being favored in this game uh, as a as a as an attractive bet. Um, so I'm definitely going on Johns Hopkins here. Now the question becomes 23. Is that going to be, um, that's a really tough number. Uh, I, I don't like Penn state's defense while their goalie Cole beginnings was the IYF player of the week, two weeks ago in their win after Ohio state. I just don't know if playing on Homewood is going to be the best environment for him after Hopkins got beat last week. Uh, so I am, I'm actually going to take Hopkins and, um, I'm going to take the over in this game simply because I don't think either team's defense is that great. And, uh, I think the goalies are going to, are going to be, uh, at the mercy of, of some good shooting offenses. I got Hopkins in the over. I'm taking, uh, Penn state and I'm taking Penn state in a road win when our Siri dominates at the faceoff X. I think the streak for Hopkins at the faceoff X and the questions in the goal, um, uh, even though uh, what's his name has been better, uh, it's just not the fluctuation between good and bad. Like you said, it's just what what kind of Hopkins are we going to see? But you know what? To defend Hopkins, that's what you get when you play the best teams in the country totally. every single week. That's um, right. So you're going to get this streaky one loss, one win. Um, they don't play anyone poor. So, uh, but I'm going to take Penn State in this one, and I'm going to take the over. I think it'll be a nice high-scoring game. We've seen both teams put up big-time numbers, and I don't see this game being any different. Number one Syracuse goes to Chapel Hill to play number 17 UNC at a 4 p.m. tilt. Syracuse favored by two. Over-under here is 22. What do you got, AT? Wow, this is a really – listen, one week, one, three days ago, I would have said SU for sure. Um, but Carolina showed a ton of grit and a ton of heart in their win over UVA and Ben Williams and Bones Kelly at the X. I would have said that Williams was going to destroy him based on the way that Bones had played, you know, up until that Virginia game. But, but he looked healthy. He looked good. He looked on the front end of the whistle and that was at Virginia. And this one's at home. I was speaking to Jamie Monroe about Syracuse and, you know, their ability to win one goal games. And, you know, the, the, the strange thing about Syracuse is even though they have five top 20 wins, one top 20 loss to Army, there's something about this Syracuse team that's kind of weird in that they don't really scare me. And they don't really right. – it's not like I'm looking at it and I'm going, oh, God, here comes Mikey Pally's coming into town or, <laughs> right. you know, Gary Gate or John Zaburgi or whoever or it may Trevor be. Trevor Baptiste. It's, it's, 
Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, it, yeah. It, they just don't they don't scare me that way. You know, they do enough to win, which to me, um, you know, is a great reflection on their coaching staff, on Coach Donahue. You know, for them to win so many one-goal games just shows you that they are in control and they're finishing these games the right way. So, listen, I hope Carolina wins the game. I really do. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised to see Syracuse win another one-goal game. I I really wouldn't. So I'm going to take UNC at home. And 22 goals, yeah, just – Syracuse, I, I I I don't know. Is it is it is it ten nine or is it fourteen thirteen? Um, I don't love either goalie. Syracuse seems to have been playing better team defense than Carolina has. So, this is <laughs> luckily, tough. I, luckily I, I, it isn't I, the I, lightning I, round. I'm going to take the over. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not the lightning round. <laughs> it's the anvil. Round. I've got UNC in the over. I may regret it, but I hope UNC wins. And if they win, I think it's going to have to be a little higher score game. I'm taking Syracuse in the over. I just think that the difference between Virginia and UNC and the rest of the ACC is is significant. Um, I think that the majority of SU's wins, you know, albeit coming by one or from the top tier teams, I think UNC played very very well against Virginia, but I don't see it staying consistent going into Syracuse. So I'm going to say, or going into the Syracuse game, it's at home. I'm going to say Syracuse wins by three or more, and I've got the over in this one. Now, you know we still have Virginia Duke, too. You skipped that. Oh, yeah. That's right. I did skip it. Number 18, Virginia. we got to go to Durham. Playing number eight, Duke. Duke is favored by one and a half, 24. It looks like they're taking a lot of stock into the ACC versus ACC teams. AT, what do you got here? Uh, I'd love to see Lars win this game. This would be such a huge game. But I just see two teams that, while Virginia's been so close in so many games this year, they just haven't been able to beat a quality opponent other than Richmond, where they had to come back late and get two poles out of their long stick midi to win 8-7 or whatever that was. Um, and you got Duke, of course, having won seven out of the last eight with the exception being a one-goal overtime loss to Syracuse. They seem to be hitting their stride, and Virginia seems to be driving out of the parking lot with their tires falling off their wheels, <laughs> you know, off the, off, the, off the frame. So I just, one and a half, I mean, look, if Duke was favored by three, I'd probably take Virginia in this, but one and a half, Kyle Rose going to dominate the X. Um, I, I just don't see... I don't see Virginia being able to play fast and beat Duke when Duke is going to win the faceoffs the way that Kyle Rowe will in this game. Uh, now the question becomes 24. You know, does, does Duke uh, – you know what, Duke, Duke's, Duke's going to play fast, I think. Um, although last game, last week it was pretty low scoring. Uh, I've, got, <laughs> I've, got Duke, I've got Duke in the over. Perfect. I'm taking Duke as well. Uh, and I'm going to take the over as well. I think both teams will get the scoring up. I could see Virginia winning this. I could too. I could see Virginia winning. You know what? Any- you know what? I'll take Virginia on the money line. And I'll take Virginia plus one and a half. Okay. Uh, making this a one-goal game. I'll do it. I'll change it. But I'll still take the over. 
uh, just for fun, because I think my picks are way better than yours, and I have the, uh, the room to lose. <laughs> Number 16, Towson goes to Delaware in a 7 p.m. tilt. Towson, favored by one and a half. The over-under here is 19. What do you got here, AT? This is a tough game. I mean, this is this is a good line. Um, you know, it seems like Del- this is a game that Delaware wins. You know, just they, they always do. It's like the third or fourth game in the CAA, and right when you kind of turn on them and think they're going to lose, they they play well and win. But is that victory over Rutgers that game this year right. for Delaware? And I think it is. So I am wow. going to take Towson. And I am going to take the under in this game. Towson, you just talked about Delaware making the upset. I know, I know, but I think that I think Delaware's big win this year was their win versus Rutgers three weeks ago. I don't think it's going to be uh, Towson. So I'm taking Towson and the under. I'm taking Towson and the under too. I I think that uh, it's for the same stuff. I think that Alex Woodall is going to put the damage on Delaware that Delaware doesn't want. If they didn't have Alex Woodall and they were still playing high level defense like they are. Um, I, I would say, you know, Delaware has a shot, but I just don't see it in this one. IYF, game of the week. Number three, Maryland, goes to Piscataway, New Jersey to play number 11, Rutgers, at 7 p.m. Maryland is favored by two and a half goals. The over-under here is 24. What do you got here, AT? I love how I just sandbag Maryland all year long, and <laughs> I pick them and the over against Albany tonight at 7. And they're playing Rutgers, who's having – you know, argue with the best season in the history of the program. <laughs> yeah. But I just feel like Maryland, a lot like Denver, but not quite to the degree of Denver. I just feel like they're such a, a tough team to beat. You know, they, 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 the only Achilles heel for me, for Maryland, is their goaltender. Yeah. Um, and that puts an emphasis for Rutgers to have to win the faceoffs to, in my opinion, have a real good shot of beating Maryland. And I don't think that they're going to win the faceoffs. While their guy is good and facing off at, I think, 55%, I just think that Henningsen and Garino and their respective wings, it's just going to be too much. And I think that while Rutgers has a tough defense, I just think that everybody struggles against Maryland. Um, and Maryland's playing well. So I'm going to take Maryland. I'm going to take the over at 24. Wow. I'm taking the under in this one. I think that Maryland controls the X. I think that they don't want to get it into a you know track meet, similar to what's going to happen tonight. I think you can see a smaller, potentially smaller margin of victory, but I'm still going to take Maryland here. Uh, I'm going to take Maryland by three goals or more, but it's going to be a lot lower scoring than I think people are going to see just from the fact of, look, if Rutgers gets in the up and down, they put some shots on cage, they're going to score goals. Um, and so I can see this going completely the other way if that's going to be the case, but... For me, I don't see it that way. And so I'm taking Maryland. I'm taking the under. AT, tell us, who are the candidates for the Rock Bottom Bowl? And who is the Rock Bottom Bowl? Well, we looked, excuse me. uh, There's always some candidates for the Rock Bottom Bowl. Um, You know, but I just think that, as you and I discussed when we were hanging out on Friday night, you know, you kind of want to move the rock bottom ball around a little bit. And you look at games like Hampton in New Jersey, right? And you can look at that and say it's the rock bottom ball, but it's not really fair. You've got, you know, 
a couple Hampton, of Hampton, super... Isn't New Jersey the first Division One team Hampton will play? It, it might be. And actually, I think they played VMI. Didn't Hampton oh, yeah. play yeah, VMI? They, they, they lost, they they lost to VMI 14 to 1. Yeah. Right? But but I, I think you're looking at that game is certainly a rock bottom bowl type game. But again, two super new teams. Are they really at rock bottom? I don't know. NJIT beat, Dem- beat Dartmouth last year. So I, I, I don't think that that quite qualifies as the rock bottom bowl. Um, Holy Cross, Colgate. Colgate's not having a great year. Holy Cross is, is they've had a good, really good win over Navy. Um, you know, you look at Air Force VMI, but Air Force has beaten Duke. So I don't know. Um, you know, Cornell, Lehigh. Cornell beat Harvard last week. They beat Lehigh beat Princeton last night. Lehigh beat Princeton. So, you know, it starts to really whittle down to sort of one obvious game. It feels feels really, really good to say. Oh, no. Um, But this week's – Oh, no. Well, I should say this. Congratulations, R.D. Oh, no. You've made it. Oh, no. You're in the rock bottom bowl. Oh, no. Penn at – Harvard. Oh, no. And it feels so good. Feels so good to say it. it. feels so natural, so normal. Oh, no. Is the rock bottom bowl. You've got Penn, who has lost five of the last seven games that they've played. You've got Harvard, which has lost five of the last six games that they've played. Oh, no. Up in Cambridge, right? Um, I'll let you pick first. Go Quakers. <laughs> so now that puts me in a corner because um, I really believe that Penn wins this game. I just think that Penn's got the better players. I think that they've got more to play for. Um, but let's face it, both teams are starving right here. But the difference is that Penn still has Dartmouth on the schedule and Harvard does not. So... <laughs> The fact that Penn beat Cornell 8-7, the fact that they still have Dartmouth. Uh, 10-9, 10-9. 10-9, I'm sorry. They still got Dartmouth on the schedule, which is going to make that, give them two wins. This is, you know, unofficially, we'll see what happens with Cornell Brown in two weeks, but this is, this is almost an Ivy League quarterfinal, Ivy League tournament quarterfinal game right here. It is a playoff game. It's a playoff it game. It's a and, playoff and, game. And, and, and Penn's capabilities – are higher than Harvard's. Um, I, I listen. I, I I can't take Penn, even though I think I'm on record as saying Penn's going to win the game. But I'm going to take Harvard just because I want to be on the other side of you. And you just snapped off and said that you thought your picks were way better than mine. So, don't come to. Uh, well, that was good. That was good. Well, that's it for the show today. Holy crap. It was a long one. It was about an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, we'll be better next week and we'll be uh, a little bit more prepared, but we got a good one next week. We're going to come in prepared for, I won't even tell you, but it'll be a good one. You want to listen in. In the meantime, as always, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at In Your Face Lax. Enjoy the weekend of lacrosse. We'll tune in with you next Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, but uh, as always, uh, the weather's getting nicer, so the games are getting better, and lead play is making it more interesting. Enjoy the weekend. <laughs>